Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's coming back for one last ride. I'm Alex. When you live in the darkness for so long and wake up and you're like, oh shit, is it 1955? Whoa, that's gonna be some other flavor of darkness, but it also means I get to slow-mo kiss my guardian angel separate timeline girlfriend who left and took my memory. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the first episode of the final. Oh, the last. Oh, man. Hurts me right here in the heart to even say it, but it is yep. the last season of oh. Riverdale. This is the first episode here, season seven, episode one, chapter 118. Don't worry, darling. And ah, there's topical. a fair amount of stuff you need to know going into this episode. We're going to be stuff to worry about, too. I mean, uh, no, no, no. Don't worry, darling. That's in the title. You don't right. have to worry. It's well, all I good. am worried. Just Maybe like it means the, just like the what, press tour for "Don't Worry, Darling" the movie, this is going to go totally fine and very smooth. No drama. Maybe it's meant to be like "Don't worry, darling." Ah, like okay, exclamation. Yeah, that makes. More Maybe sense. it's uh, exclamation points on every word. Don't. I will worry, mention darling. they initially had the comma after "Don't worry, darling," like you should, versus the title of the movie, and then they changed it at some point, and that really messed me up a lot. So I'm pretty upset about that. I love that um, Riverdale has people checking the punctuation. That's how <laughs> deep it goes. Because you know that comma is going to turn up in an alternate timeline or something. No. Oh, man. Absolutely. That, com- that comma is going to kill a bunch of people. Let's talk about the recap, even though Jughead does a very good job. Actually, I would argue a very poor job of recapping. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. He was coming for my job, and I don't like it. Well, wow, that's true. He is he, he's about to be replacing you as our narrator. Well, I will say there were two recaps here. There's the one at the beginning where he leaves out some stuff. And then the one later where everyone's like, you believe this stuff he's saying? It's yeah. nonsense. And we're like, that's the stuff we've been watching for six years. How dare you care about that? <laughs> we also, that. I felt real bad for Kevin in that moment because everybody had stuff. And then he got to Kevin and was like, you, uh, uh you, uh. Got Gave away your organs, sucker! Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh man. Even I mean, Kevin let's be fair. That's recap. That's what we've been doing to Kevin in the recap for six years. So let's get into this. The big thing that you need to know is the timeline in Riverdale was essentially reset at the end of last season, thanks to a comet called Bailey's Comet that exploded when Cheryl blew it up with her Scarlet Witch powers. And then the timeline was reset and sent back to 1955, and nobody remembers what's going on except for Jughead. Jughead is the only one. The main thing you need to know about that that's important in other Otherwise, we're pretty much clean slate as far as anybody is concerned, is that Jughead is dating and in love with Tabitha Tate. Tabitha Tate Mm -hmm. is a chronokinetic guardian angel of Riverdale who was helping guide them to stop this apocalyptic future that was bringing on Bailey's Comet. You know what? This is actually a lot more complicated than I thought it was now that I got it. Well, let me just say, when I heard chronokinetic in this episode like a couple times, I was like, oh, you're... You're going to hold out of that? You're sticking with chronokinetic? <laughs> That's you were serious about all that? that yeah, I thought we were going back right. to the 50s. Okay, let's go. And the last thing you need to know is at the end of graduation before the seven-year time jump, this is back in season five, if I'm remembering my timeline correctly. The gang all got together and buried a time capsule to open yep. when they were older, put some important things in there, including mm. a menu from Pops, uh, Fred Andrew's hammer, and also, most importantly to this episode, Jughead's cloth that beanie that he finally gave up so that Cole Sprouse could really be waving that dirtbag hair, that dirtbag stash when he got into the future timeline. <laughs> Great, great call. No, that ends the recap. He was like a, he was like a alcoholic, uh, drunk author with his floppy hair and everything. He got better though. Tabitha and he, yeah. they they worked it out. So he's doing pretty good, and he, he's rocking his nineteen fifty hair now. So there we go. That's the setup. That's where we start off. Before we get into any of it, 
obviously a lot of expectations coming in here, this being the final season. How'd you guys feel? How'd you feel about this episode? How did you feel about what seems to be a complete reset or is it? First off, it's great to be back. You know, it's like going back to college and just walking around and stepping into the craziest party you ever went to the entire time you were there and immediately being as intoxicated as you ever got. You know what I mean? Wow. Mm. It's like slipping into a really insane glove. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like a freaky freezing? Oh, yes. Uh, Please don't define that. Just say (laughs) it and then move on. (laughs) Yeah. Kids, look up Freaky Freezies. Only 80s kids will understand. Pete, what about you? What did you think about this episode? Well, first off, it's great to be back. Um, It's nice to have Riverdale again. It's it's interesting because it's very sad. It's the last season. But also we have this reset that's happening as well. So it's kind of like taking it back. And I thought maybe they were like taking it back to when Archie comics like first started, you know, and I looked it mm. up and there was like, no, that's 1944. We we're going back to 1955. So I was kind of like, why wouldn't we go to 44? Cause that makes a little bit more sense because it's like honoring. The, no, the, no, we get it. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, They didn't do that. They went back well, to I the fifties. So we're in the fifties. But I think what I like about what you're saying, Pete, is it's a sort of a spiritual back to the original comics, I think, even though it's different dates. Yeah, because it feels do... like the original Archie comics, you know, like a back in the day type of thing, you know. And well, it's also hard because it's like a reset for our characters because it's like we have ships. We have a lot of things going on. But all that got gone. thrown out the window. And it's like, oh, man, we have so much work to do this season. So let's get talk about that for a second. to the place where we were. Because I think they very specifically are not throwing it out to the window. It's this it's this line they're walking, which I do think they walked, frankly, and I was very surprised by this, very successfully in this first episode, where, yes, we are back in 1955. By the end of the episode, just to jump to the end there, spoilers, obviously, when we're talking about stuff, even Jughead doesn't remember stuff anymore, even yeah, though his beanie is that men in black mind erased. But, So they don't have the memories, but we, the viewers, have the memories, and they, as writers behind the scenes, are riffing off the stuff we remember and remixing it in different ways. So we also know that because of what Tabitha is saying at the end of the episode, where she's like, hey, I got to go untangle some timelines and do some other stuff, and I'll be back later to, like, you know, bring us back to the present time. All this stuff still matters. It's all important. It's not like a lark. It does not like it's washing everything clean. And I think just to take it one step further and then please take it away, Justin. But I think that's nowhere clearer than what happens with Veronica and Archie. Like they're getting a new start story wise, but that wouldn't work and wouldn't hit the same way. If we didn't already know the stuff about Veronica and Archie. I mean, that's a hundred percent true, but let me say my memory was also wiped when they kissed. So (laughs) I have no memory of it. That's why I'm really curious about like Jughead feels like there could be some chemistry with Betty. Does anyone else feel that way? Mm, No, that would never happen. I'd never see that happen. What? Well, look, I think so, Pete is such like different characters. That would never work out. Like Pete that. is like, is no, that cheese in this mousetrap? Let me just have a nibble. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't play with my emotions, motherfucker. We have so well, much but, to go through before we can get to that. But let me say, I think you should feel hopeful, Pete, because I truly think everything's on the table with some of these relationships. I think, uh, I think we could get. I think we will get Bughead at some point. And this is jumping into pure speculation already. I think it could be <laughs> anything. Who cares anything, about the plot of this episode? Let's jump to the We'll end. get to it. And, and I'm excited okay. to talk about it. Okay. But I think anything is possible for Endgame. I have some uh, some feelings and some maybe assumptions that I think we will get to. But I think everyone out there in uh, Barchi and Bughead land should feel excited for where that's going to go. Because I think truly anything can happen as Roberto promised the whole time. And we didn't believe him because it was so tilted. Here's what I'm worried about. Like, yeah, we might get to a ship that you want. um, You know what I mean? But the problem is we have to work through all this other stuff to get to there. And then what are we going to have? Are we going to have one episode where we finally get them back to where they belong and in the ships where they belong? And then the whole fucking thing is over? You know what I mean? Can't we just enjoy a little before it's all done? I love that your concern is like, it's not enough time. Yeah. It's not enough time out here when it's like, you don't know anything about that. And also like, 
The way stories end is not like, and then they hung out for three more episodes. It oh, ends with great. No, but it's not. And it's like they live happily ever after, which they go off. They ride off into the romantic sunset. Well, let me let me mention a couple of things about timing, actually, because maybe this will help you out, Pete. So there are 20 episodes in the season. We know that pretty. Wow. That's a lot. It's a lot of episodes we've ever gotten. No, it definitely is not the most we've ever gotten. Uh, But it's also a little less than 22, (laughs) which is what like a regular season length would be. So we are getting 20 episodes, which is nice. As we're taping this, they're filming around like the 13th or 14th episode, something like that. So there's still a bunch of episodes to go from behind the scenes picks. We've seen that they are still in the 50s at that point, most likely. However, I will say I talked to Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa about this and asked him straight up, are we going to be in the 50s the entire time? And he definitively was like, no, we absolutely are not going to be in the 50s the entire time. But we're going to be there at least till 13. Yeah. Well, and then they're probably, like I've been saying all along, they're probably going to start skipping through the decades. And I think nowhere is that clearer than when Tabitha is like, I got to untangle this timelines. We got to deal with some social justice stuff. You got to hold on to Riverdale and we can get it back to the place it's going to be. The way of doing that, and I know we're jumping right to the end here, is not be like, we're in 1955. Great. You did it. Now we're back in 2023. Well, in fact, I think the table is set in this episode for what the goals of this final season are. I'm I'm super excited about it. It seems like it's, hey, we're going to fix Riverdale. The show has been a lot about the them, our, our core four and beyond, fixing themselves for what growing up in this town did to them. And I think for this final season, it's flipped and they have to the darkness that Jughead has talked about for every season in multiple episodes in his narration. Their job this season is to go through and systematically fix it and thereby fix themselves. And I think that's why they're still in, in 1955 and episode 13. There's a lot of stuff to fix. And in this episode, they dive in with some huge issues. We've talked in the past about how Riverdale touches on bigger issues but never really uh, – never sort of completes it in a lot of cases, like some of the Reggie stuff we've talked about in the past. But it feels like this season they're like, no, no, we're going at real issues in society then and now. Yeah, and I do want to talk about that, but I want to put a little, little asterisk on what you said. I think it's pretty clear – when Tabitha gives a Martin Luther King Jr. quote towards the end of the episode, and then Jughead distills it down towards bend towards justice, I think is Correct. the words yeah. there. Yeah, that was his I don't last think it's so much about three words he can remember. Yeah, those are the only three words he can remember. He had to run for a long way just to get to some pen and paper. I was you like, know, there was, it, you know, nowhere else closer. They could've, you could have maybe got I some wish- more words out. I wish he went to pen and paper and said he gets out the typewriter and he's like, oh, tink, yeah, tink, true, yeah. tink, 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 <laughs> get a pen, write it down, write it on your hand, get a Sharpie yeah. when you're running, Sharpies invented in the 50s, maybe that's an episode, I don't know. But what I'm getting at here is the goal is not to fix things, the goal is to bend towards justice, start to get right. things towards the right. And I think that's very clear, like we're talking about, and we can jump right into this and talk about the Emmett Till storyline if we want, but... The whole goal there is to start a conversation. It's yeah. and that's where they yeah. end up. Where they're like, "Hey, we're having this conversation earlier than expected. We haven't solved racism. We haven't, you know, solved the murder of Emmett Till and gotten justice for the people who killed him or anything like that. But we started people in a remote town. Very powerful. Very well done in this episode. And I think and that's great. They treated it really well. I think like the the somberness at the beginning when we have. Um, the, the people that went to at the the Till funeral coming off the bus returning to Riverdale. I thought that was like it really set the stage for like, hey, we're going to talk about this in a serious way. These characters are have just come from this traumatic event, and then they move they move through the story of this to talk about it, like trying to get this uh, article published in the paper to the scam to read the poem on the announcement, oh, which man. I thought was fun. They found a way to combine like the Riverdale like zany uh, plot stuff. With like a very touching like like moment for the show, I thought that was really like beautifully handled. And and what I love about maybe the message here, like you're saying, Alex, is small things matter. Like we see that their their action reading that poem, which is like as they say, as they make their case to Featherhead, like, hey, this is just a small gesture. But immediately they're talking about in the classroom and it's affecting people. And what a great moral for this episode, or maybe even the season, is like, hey, everyone. The small things that we do to make the world better are worth it. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, to tie that into the greater thing about Riverdale, sorry, I'll, and then I'll turn it over to you, Pete, is maybe there's something to be said, and we'll have to see how it pans out over the course of the season, that I'll point particularly at Jughead and Archie, though I think this has gone on to other characters as well. Like we're saying, Jughead's always like, there's this darkness here and we have to solve this mystery and he gets very obsessed on it. Or Archie is like, I got to use my fists to save Riverdale the way my dad would have wanted. You know, they're always pushing so hard. But if they can come to a place where they understand, like, you're never going to lose that darkness. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be things that go wrong and terrible things that happen in the world. But it is about bending that arc towards justice. I think Mm. that's a really smart, nuanced thing to do. I guess we'll see where they get to in 20 episodes. But I'm curious to see if they follow that. Pete? Yeah, a couple things to kind of touch on. Yeah, I mean, you know, Archie being very violent and then Jughead being very like, hey, are we cool? Like, you're a pretty violent guy. I've seen you do some crazy things. Like, was a fun moment of like uh, his kind of like full knowledge of Archie. Uh, was it just kind of like a fun? And I was kind of like, oh, this is this is kind of an interesting take where we have one guy who knows things about everybody else and is kind of like can comment on them and uh, all the things that they've been through. And I thought like, oh, that was interesting. So I was kind of sad when he got the mind wipe kiss at the end, although it was a beautiful kiss and very well done. Well, um, hold on. I, I don't want to get too far <laughs> away from the Abbott Tell storyline. Right. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get back to that. So uh, uh, they're making some very interesting choices, some very beautiful choices, some just moments of like uh, playing strange fruit in the background a little bit mm-hmm. when they started yeah. talking, like just so moving. The Langston Hughes poem was just so moving and so well done. Like the way they were kind of like, you know, working uh, uh, to, within what they could to kind of get that poem out. That was just such a cool thing and very well done. Uh, I was just really moved. I, you know, I got choked up numerous times during this episode. It's just some beautiful moments that I was really impressed with. And, uh, you know, Riverdale usually like fast forwards and does like, you know, like, ah, these crazy sexual assaults. Oh, well, keep moving. So I was really happy. We kind of slowed things down and had some nice beats with it. And um, the the teacher afterwards, I was really nervous. But then she was like, let's just talk about how that made you. I was like, oh, my God. So cool just to have those small things. I'm. One thing I want to say about this, and this is probably abundantly clear to anybody listening to the podcast, we are three white guys talking about this. So I've been very curious to hear what viewers of color are going to think about this episode. They may feel totally different than we do. And I'd love to hear about that. I'd love to get feedback about how we're wrong or right or anything like that. But I agree with you just from my perspective I was surprised and impressed how it felt like they walked a line. I know a lot of people were worried about, you know, Betty coming in as a white savior and being like, I'm going to be the one that championed it. But I think from her to Cheryl in particular, there were moments where it was them taking it in and then stepping aside to let Tony and Tabitha take the lead on these things, particularly Tony to take the yeah. lead. Here because yeah. Tony even when Cheryl was like, what poem do I got to read? I was like, Oh no, Cheryl, you shouldn't read this poem. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, they were making really uh, smart choices. And, uh, and you know, I, I felt like normally they can skip over things. So it was just, I felt like, you know, and again, I'm not an expert or anything, but I felt like they, from all the other seasons have kind of learned some stuff and made some better choices. One moment that I was really curious to talk to you guys about that also set off my alarm bells. And I think maybe that's part of the reason I was so surprised and pleasantly surprised by the episode was I was sitting on edge waiting for it to go wrong at some point, And I don't feel like it did, but the moment when Betty asks to see the pictures of Emma Till, I was very worried that I was also very worried about that. And honestly, and, I was surprised they included that because I don't know why that was necessary. And it felt like it was just edging up against something horrifying for just the sake of it. So I I was also I was with you on that. I I kind of looked at it and, and, you know, again, uh, I I just felt like it was like her detective eight. FBI side of being like wanting mm-hmm. to see dig look under stuff to see you know I didn't uh, but yeah yeah I could it, see why you and it very well 
it very well could be that sort of gesture to like, oh, this is Betty being Betty from the future, from the other timeline. So like, because I think there throughout the episode, there were a lot of like little nods to these characters are still the characters right. that you know. It's just they don't have memory of being themselves. Yeah, that's what I ultimately took away from it because – Obviously, they didn't show the pictures. It was all in Betty's reaction. It was all in her, again, letting Tony take the lead on this stuff. Um, but I also, at that moment, while I was thinking about what we were talking about, also thought at that point, oh, this is the point when she's going to regain her memory. She's going to see this and be yeah. like, I'm Betty, FBI profiler. We're going to solve this mystery. I'm very glad that they did not go that route. Yeah. Uh, but overall, yeah, really well done. Very emotional storyline like we were talking about. Again, I'd love to hear from listeners and get your alternate or opposite takes if you have them, because I think it's an interesting thing to look at. Uh, one thing that I wrote down, I don't know if this is interesting or adds anything, but um, I was just looking at the dates for the Langston Hughes poem because I was curious about it. And I, I, obviously, with Riverdale, we don't know a timeline, but the trial ended, started and ended, I believe, on September 23rd because they went so quickly through it. And then Langston Hughes published Mississippi 1955 in his October 1st column. So hmm. surprisingly for Riverdale, I think they timed it out relatively well for when they could have seen that poem and read it over the air. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. A couple of other quick things that I'll mention from that timeline. It was uh, for that plot line. It was nice to see Miss Bell again. She's back. Yeah. She's a huge character that we got to make sure we um, include. Mm -hmm. Often uh, fooled, often tricked. Uh, but the other thing, and this is getting into the other part of the episode or one of the other parts of the episode is we get two other characters who show up here in a very different way, which we get to see formerly Warden Norton, who, if you remember, died during the Griffiths and Gargoyles season yeah. by drinking the blue juice. He yeah. comes back as Principal Featherhead, the new principal of the school. And the other one, the guy who is there who's sort of uh, looking Creep. down at the creeping is yep. uh, DuPont, who is the evil teacher at Stonewall, who was leading the Stonies after Mr. Chipping killed himself after he jumped out the window. And now he is back as a new character. I don't think they say it this episode, but I'll mention it anyway. His character's name is Dr. Werther's, as in Werther's Originals. Uh, but there's another aspect I will mention without spoiling it that ties into a bigger storyline for the season. But we'll see. Soon. Nice. Uh, but yeah, there you go. It's interesting that we're getting all of these remixes uh, I'll keep going with this and just mention a couple of other characters that we see back in different ways over the course of the episode. Uh, we get to see Moses Theason very briefly as Benjamin Button. He's back alive yep. here, so that's interesting. Uh, we also get to see, pretty obviously, and we'll probably talk more about him, but instead of Jason Blossom, we have Julian Blossom, Julian. formerly Doll, now a living yep. real boy. Let me say, he sort of has some doll-like qualities, though. Yeah, like, I agreed. think that's not uh, put it out of the question that he might be a doll inside some sort of man. Probably. Uh, but that's played by Nicholas Brash. And two others, they don't mention their names, but I just wanted to mention here, since it definitely is them, we have a new actress playing Midge, who is Abby Ross. You can see her in the front of the classroom. Uh, yep. And she played Desmelda on an episode of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the one where they did the the um, the three different stories that were all Lovecraftian in nature. Oh, that yeah, one. yeah. Uh, so she was in that. And the other one, and I thought this was the most interesting, is Daniel Yang as Dilton. And I know we talked about this with the trailer. We were like, that kind of looks like Dilton, but it's not the actor yeah. who plays Dilton. So here's the thing, and I totally didn't realize this. This is the actor who played Dilton from the pilot. They had a different actor oh. playing Dilton in the pilot, Daniel Yang. He got recast by Major Curta, who played Dilton whenever Dilton has been on screen since. But Major Curta is currently in a K-pop show. Uh, Ed couldn't do the season, so they brought back the original Dilton from the first episode. Wow. wow. What a come up for the yeah. ridge, for, for Werther's original Dilton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. So I thought that was some fun info to maybe talk about. Uh, why don't we talk about the, well, we touched on the Jughead storyline, so we want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I like – it's interesting to me that Jughead is now joining everyone else um, and not having his memories because I really liked him in this role trying to be the madman in like the um, the Twilight Zone episode, trying to figure this out. 
But I understand it's probably not sustainable to do that all season. So he's joined everyone else, lost his memory. And worth it for the kiss, though, I thought. They really romance up the Tabitha Jughead stuff at the end, which I appreciated. So just a quick note on the plot of this plot line. So Jughead, as we mentioned, has his memories. He digs up the uh, the time capsule. time capsule. Thank you. Which is somehow still there under the ground, despite everything else in the world changing. But he takes that out, shows it to everybody, tries to convince them they're from the future. Gives a recap, as we mentioned, uh, starts in some very weird places, I got to say, where he's like, okay, first off, cell phones, which is not the first thing that I would say when I was trying to explain the future, to be honest. It's good. I mean, well, he was probably kept like going for his phone. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Are you trying to do the Wordle? He's like, well, Wordle is this word puzzle a day. Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to get into that. Yeah. Let me start with cross sandwiches first. That's the first thing <laughs> yeah. I need to start. That's where about. you would start. You would Absolutely. start with the sandwiches. Yeah. Um, Pete, what, what futuristic thing would you start with when you um, head back in time? Uh, I'd probably just uh, tell them about garbage plates. and uh, you know, <laughs> That's the that that least futuristic thing. I have a feeling a garbage plate existed back then. Yeah. Maybe the origin of a garbage plate. Maybe, Maybe that's a future episode. I, I think whatever garbage plates you've been eating were actually made in 1955, Pete. Hey, yeah. come on. Come on. Anyway, he recaps for everybody. Nobody believes him necessarily. We could probably go back to that scene because there are so many fun bits there. But by the end of the episode, he's pretty much given up on being able to get back to the future, even though he's found out that Bailey's Comet is coming back in two years. When in walks Tabitha Tate, but not the Tabitha Tate that he has seen who doesn't really know him and is leaving town. Yeah, but his Tabitha Tate, and like we're talking about, they have... This incredible moment where she lays out the yeah. crazy plot, lays out how the timelines work, says, I got to go untangle these timelines. And then, like we've been talking about, they have this stunningly beautiful romantic kiss that I would honestly put as like one of the top tier kisses on the show. I agree completely. I thought for as much as I said anything is on the table for ships, I was like, you're going to put this romantic of a moment for um, for Jabatha here. Strong case to be made for them in the future. Pete, you're staying pretty silent here. What's going on? Yeah, sure am. I don't want to uh, yuck anybody else's yum. So if they're happy with that, I say enjoy your nice moment there that uh, the light kiss was uh, was lovely. Let me just say yum, yum. I do feel like not to push this even further or rattle Pete's cage or anything like that. But again, 20 episodes, anything could happen. But just based on this episode, if you have a situation where Jughead and Tabitha have a kiss like that, she's like, I'm going to go. I'll be back later. Once I've untangled these timelines, once we get back to our future, that does feel very endgamey to me. Don't right. fucking. Well, it does. Well, I, it I, does. And I'm just saying, based on this episode, lots of other things are going to happen. And I think they're all going to matter. I think something and this is again jumping ahead, but something that I've heard from a lot of fans that they've been worried about is if they don't have their memories now and they do all this stuff and then they're going to get their memories back in some sense at the end of the season, what does all of this matter? But I think Riverdale has made it very clear, everything battles all the time. So if you have a situation where, let's say, Let's say like Jughead is here. He's lost his memory at the end of the episode. He starts having some other romantic flirtations. That's going to affect how he interacts with Jab- Jug- Tabitha. Jabatha, huh? Jabba Nobata. Jabba Nobata. It's going to affect how he potentially affect how he interacts with Tabitha at the end of the season. I agree, but I think maybe the point of all this is that true love finds a way. And that mm-hmm. every character will find that sort of true home. So it will all, no matter what mixed up stuff happens, I think it'll all be worth it because everyone will know that it's real and true. Yeah, yeah. but whose home are we going to? You know what I mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and I think the main focus of the shifting uh, relationships is on on Archie, the Archie-Betty-Veronica triangle that – the comics put forward so much, and now it feels like maybe this show will, this season will be getting into. But let's wrap up Jughead a little bit, because we do have some mystery here. His beanie wasn't in the uh, time capsule, and then it shows up at the end. So I think that clearly says that someone else magical knows about beanie. the someone else knows about the timeline, or he has a magic hat. 
either of these things could be true. Uh, I'm curious what there's a lot of implications could be the bear bear. grabbed the beanie, Mm -hmm. walked over to his railroad trailer and dropped it off. Yeah. Great. Shouts to Jughead calmly being like, yeah, I live in a train car with my dog named hot dog. With no other context. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Keep it real. I did like the light of like, well, that tracks. So yeah, that was pretty good. It was fun. Uh, I mean, every time they did there. Oh, go ahead. Every time they did like a little recap thing or Jughead was trying to explain some things, I just kind of had a moment of like, yeah, this show is insane. Good luck trying to explain this to anybody at any time period in uh, in history. Well, they did it. They did it, though. Tabitha recap stuff. Jughead recap stuff several times. So we are good to go. Let's move over to the other storyline, though, which I think also gets into what Justin was kind of starting to talk about in terms of the Archie of it all and where he is going to end up. Uh, in this episode, we get introduced to Veronica Lodge, who has new student, a new student liar. Veronica Lodge, liar, liar. killer Veronica of James Lodge. Dean, <laughs> liar. <laughs> I did, by the way. So this storyline, uh, and this was set up at the end of the last season, where we ended on the death of James Dean. That was one of the last things everybody was reacting to before he finished up season six. Here we pick up with that, and that's a major part of Archie's storyline because Mary Andrews does not want him driving the car to end up like James Dean in a show of, in in a show of craziness. I was like, I was like, that was the crazy. What I was like, Hey, (laughs) just cause someone gets in a car accident doesn't mean everyone does, let alone Archie. That that to me, I was like the one part of this wildly creative, uh, all over the place show that I was like, that's weird. It seemed like they were setting things up. He's like, don't worry. I won't go drag racing. I was like, 10 bucks is we're going to see him drag racing. (laughs) I mean, I bet we're going to get a drag race. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Also, it seems like his car doesn't go faster than 25 miles per hour. So I think he's just going to be fine. As a promise, he's like, I'm going to clock this thing down. Have Betty clock it down. So it's max speed is 25. And I was like, I was like, that's how fast cars. Is that how fast cars went back then? I got to check actual history. Was that how the fastest, uh, even on, was there expressways? Like, Yeah, they were going like 26. Imagine getting pulled over and they're like, "Uh, I got you at 18 miles an hour. What are you, a psychopath? Slow down. (laughs) James Dean died in a car accident on the other side of the country. Watch out. Uh, So they're worried about that. But as it turns out, Veronica has been exiled from Hollywood by her parents, Hermione and Hiram, who are the biggest sitcom stars in the world. They star on a sitcom called Mihia. Me, me, wait, I got that wrong. No. Uh, yep, it's not me hee haw. Is that what you're trying to say? It's all right. I'm going to stop saying words oh, on this me-ha. audio podcast. Yeah. yeah. Let us know when you want to throw yeah, around. We got the phone a... call from mom. That was nice. Yeah, that was nice. No, it was uh, not nice. That was oh. very not nice. She wanted to go well, home for Thanksgiving. to hear her voice again. Um, I will say I like the the between Omiha, uh, I love Lucy reference, which oh, I thought yeah. was fun, right, <laughs> and uh, full on, yeah, uh, full it's on. Still, you need, still we need Omiha in my head. Yeah, I know it is. You need to take some <laughs> le- language lessons, specifically yeah. uh, Spanish. I um, am f- with my Abu. No, oh, stop. No, stop. that's what I was trying I'll to stop. not have happen. <laughs> I can't do it. Stop. Uh, the full Happy Days intro at the top. Yeah, get that some was great fun. homages to, yeah, that was a fun to homage TV of the past. Sure. Uh, but what we get Rock over the course of the storyline, other than Veronica lying about exploring a part in our town, which Cheryl calls her out on. Cheryl is dre- definitely gunning directly Veronica oh, yeah. as Queen Bee of the school. And also, that was funny, other, though, when she yeah. walked in and was like, uh, oh, what's your name again? Yes. Cheryl was just so mad. Well, Cheryl already doesn't like Veronica because Veronica's stealing the spotlight, uh, but there are other reasons we'll probably get to in a second. We definitely should talk about with both Cheryl and Kevin and what is going on there. Um, But over the course of the storyline, Veronica, uh, the truth comes out, but she is also starting a flirtation with both Archie and Julian. Julian gives her a ride home one day. Archie gives her a ride home the other day. And Archie, if possible, is an even simpler bay than usual in this timeline. Well, Justin. they've they've pulled Archie back to true comic book form, uh, like, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I feel like even the the way the episode was directed, a lot of the shots of Archie were straight comic book panels. Mm-hmm. Like it was mostly like sort of like pretty close up him, like with a wide eyed, like vacant look on his face. Shazam! 
Shazam. He makes a, shiz- a poorly timed Shazam reference given the uh, current state of um, the films uh, over there. But so, like, I-, I just really think they're leaning so hard into the simpleton Archie uh, of it all, which I think is fun. His hot rod is a hot rod, not a jalopy. Um, it's it's a fun place for Archie to be. It is very fun, and KG Appa is doing a great job with it. It is oh, really yeah. interesting to see him doing straight up classic Archie from Archie comics while everybody else is still earnest, but they're getting their own slightly more serious riffs, like sort of uh, particularly Betty is bridging the gap. She's not like, oh, gee whiz, Betty or anything like that. She's a little bit Betty from our Riverdale and a little bit Betty from this new timeline. Well, and let me I don't know if this is purposeful or maybe I was just reading into it, but if you put Archie as the epicenter of the comic book characters on the show currently. Then right next to him is Veronica, who also seems the most drawn, like straight out of the comic comic strips and comic book character. And then as you get further away from Archie, everyone gets a little bit more modern, with Jughead being the end point of modernity. So that's Cheryl in the middle there. And it almost like this is a probably an obvious reference to make, but it reminds me of the movie Pleasantville, mm-hmm. which I think they are using as a reference here. And it feels like Archie is in black and white and a character like Jughead, at least in this episode where he is knowledgeable is in full color. Um, and everyone else is in between and they're going to be shifting toward modernity. I feel like over the course of this season. Now, one other thing that I want to mention, and this is definitely playing with fire here, but since we are talking about ships uh, and everything, Archie straight up says he felt like he was hit by lightning when he saw Veronica. Again, we're just basing things on this episode. We're not talking about anything. First of all, obviously a parallel to the first episode of Riverdale ever when Veronica walks in in slow-mo with that witch's cloak into Pops and Archie sees her and immediately falls in love. So we're definitely getting that there. And obviously things developed over the course of Riverdale in very big ways for absolutely everybody. But if you're basing it on that and this new timeline, that certainly seems to indicate that Veronica and Archie potentially might go the distance, right? Right. But then if you remember from the trailer, Archie is going to marry Cheryl. Mm-hmm. That point. might throw a little bit of a wrinkle in things, I think. Yeah. I think we're going to get a lot of wrinkles. I mean, these characters that I'm sure we'll talk about in a second are grappling with their identities in a much more conservative time in Riverdale. So I think there's a lot of sexual identity stuff that we're going to get into. And like, of course, that's going to be messy. In the Imagine it being in the 50s, like it would be wild to be considering and, and trying to be yourself in a time when the world was just wildly more conservative on all fronts. So like, I think we're going to get a lot of steps as these characters sort of move toward like the modern versions of themselves that we have watched grow over the course of the seasons. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be as pronounced as a Pleasantville, you know, where it's like they're in the yeah. 1950s and then suddenly everybody is 100% 2023, like we're talking about. I think we're going to have this slow, glad, gradual realization as they tackle these issues and they deal with these things until they reach such a point that they've essentially like there's no further place to go. And then yeah. they're going to jump to the 60s and then they're going to jump to the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, et cetera, et cetera, until we link so? back to what? You think so? Yeah, I think so. Oh, Pete, no, you think it's going to go 1955 and then whoop, fast forward? And then back to 44 so they can go actually back to be like, this is exactly. where we're Exactly. Hey, let you out this comic book I just thought yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to create Archie Comics? That's right. What if they're we did good. a comic about ourselves? Listen. What? Tell It'll me with work. a straight face that there is a 100% possibility that they are not going to meet God in the final episode of the show. You can't. Yeah, can of happen. course. They'd be like, like you created me. There's no other show on television where I fully believe any sing- – I might – we might – the three of us might appear in the final episode. We don't know. Yeah. We'll just look at watch it and be like, how do we get in here? We're not even part of it. Yeah. And we have no memory of filming it, but yet we're there. Yeah, or or they could, you know, just to throw it out there as like a possibility, they could have like some uh, radio DJs, like three radio DJs doing a Riverdale After Dark program. That'd be nice, right? Oh, nice. Still time to put that in there. The name really works, Riverdale After Dark. Mm -hmm. Maybe working Mm -hmm. at some sort of bar beneath a bar beneath a diner bar. (laughs) Just a thought. There's Mm -hmm. other. You can always dig deeper, guys. 
Well, let's talk about that sexuality aspect that we've been bouncing around that is affecting two big characters in particular. Uh, We don't really see that present with Tony necessarily, but we definitely see it present with Kevin and Cheryl. Cheryl, a little subtler, I would argue, but Kevin is dating Betty, and both of these things come out in the scene where Veronica sits down in the lounge with everybody and starts talking about James Dean. And she very freely mentions that James Dean basically played for both teams, likes guys and girls. Kevin very obviously is like, oh, what's going on? Who else? Who else uh, plays for both teams? Tell me more about that. Uh, And Betty doesn't pick up on it and nobody else picks up on it, but it's very clear to us as the viewers exactly what's going on with Kevin. Cheryl, on the other hand, immediately lashes out at Veronica and is like, that's disgusting. How dare you? And again, this is something that I think fans have been extremely worried about how the show is going to deal with, particularly with the Cheryl Archie thing that came out of the trailer that Pete was mentioning that has sent up alarm bells for everybody. But at least in this early going, just again, in this first episode, I think there's a track you can draw from Cheryl having her sexuality repressed by the Blossoms in the main timeline, the way that we know her. Yeah. And then here, that being even more pronounced in the 1950s, to the point where she's lashing against it and denying everything that's inside of herself. Yeah, I I, I agree completely. And like, she's clearly like, is conservative and uh, but I think that's a starting point that's not meant to be a constant and I feel like the point of this is that we are going to watch this journey and I'm excited by that and I trust this show um like we've been talking about this entire um episode like I trust this show to to be aware of this and to handle it appropriately and in an interesting narratively compelling way like it, it, the idea that they have well, no idea of this as a as a situation that they have to speak to is to me, like wild. They're they're going to do that. What I'm a little worried about, and uh, you know, uh, this this show is a, a a a lot of things, but it is never dull. Is the the fact that like we saw also in the trailer, Betty saying like, "Oh, I wish Kevin would you know look at me that way or whatever." And I'm like, "Oh no!" Like, you know, I want to see Kevin be who Kevin is, but it's also going to be tough to see it hurt other people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's especially like how they're going to deal with that. And I don't think that's where they're going to go or how it's going to do, but that I am worried about like how we're going to have to watch all of this happen and people come into their own and what it's going to mean for others, you know? But I, I also think that's maybe the point. The point is like, Hey, you have to become who you are. No, even if it does hurt some people, like I think as long as you're honest and able to talk about it in a realistic way, I think that's that's a good takeaway from starting this season here is like becoming the person you are uh, to the to yourself in the world is very important to your life. The I'll also mention I don't think he says any lines in this episode, maybe maybe in the last scene, but we get a little bit of a glimpse of Clay Walker. He's coming off the bus with Tony and Tabitha at the beginning, back from the Emma Till trial. And then he's in the classroom at the end. And maybe there's one or two other scenes. But that's somebody who is in the comics, a romantic interest for Kevin. We've already know that based on the casting notice that was put out there, that he's going to be a little more open about his sexuality. So that's somebody that's going to play very heavily with Kevin over the course of the season and help hopefully bring him forward out of that shell. The big thing that worry is probably the wrong word, but Cheryl in particular, we got one of the most beautiful coming out stories that I think I've ever seen on TV. It was just this incredible arc for her. And it is concerning to then throw her back into the closet, not just for the implications of that in terms of watching a show in 2023, but also in terms of, are we going to see the same storyline again? We've already seen her come out uh, just from a dramatic perspective. How does it feel fresh and new? How is it not just going to directly contrast with what we've already seen? So versus being like a greatest hits version of it, you know? Yeah, but uh, the good yeah, news I, is it's Cheryl, and she doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, she's she's right. Right. Every time yeah, out of the gate, yeah. I mean, she's yeah. I, and I, I also think if I were in that situation, I think that's a that's a very valid concern from just a storytelling point of view. But if you make it part of a romantic journey with someone that maybe is her true love, 
Mm-hmm. Then I think you got yourself a story. And you're talking, uh, of course, about Archie, right? Yeah, exactly. Who gets married, as we learned in the trailer? Yeah. Um, no, because if there's another ship that I'm very confident about making the test of time, oh, yeah. it's uh, Shoney. And I know Alex is literally tattooing Shoney on, like, not just one part of his body, but multiple. Multiple. Yeah. yeah. Multiple. Wait, can I tell you guys a story real quick? This is just like oh, a really story, but it's a little applicable. As long too. as it ends in a tattoo appointment, I'm here for yeah. it. I mean, a little bit. So when I was talking to Roberto about the episodes, I asked him this question, like, along these lines about how they were going to deal with it. I'm not going to give the answer because it gets a little spoilery for further episodes, but I asked it and I thought like a very erudite, responsible, journalistic fashion, like really trying to get to the heart of the issues. And he was like, well, that's an interesting question because wait, are you asking about Shoddy or Kevin? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, uh, Shoddy, let's be honest. It's what, you know what? I've said this on this podcast before, but like, you know, Pete and I are in the trenches, bughead Barchi, and you try to hover above it all, mm-hmm. but you're the, you're the biggest show. You're closer <laughs> to the bone of Shoney than any of the rest of us. And you try to just float about, and even yeah, Roberta cool. was like, oh, you're a real Shoney guy. Okay. I see you. <laughs> there you go. But yes, Shoney, uh, if there is an end game secured by the end of the show. I think it showed even with what is going on in this episode. And I know you're, you're mostly saying that I know you're mostly saying for that for yourself. That may not happen, that's all. I mean That's your mantra in the mirror every morning, right? Shoney. 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 Shoney was endgame. Yeah. I keep walking into that tattoo parlor and they keep being like, we are not going to make a uh, Vanessa Morgan tattoo on one of your cheeks and a Madeline Patch uh, tattoo on one of your other cheeks. Just to be clear for everybody listening, you mean butt I'm cheeks, right? Facial you cheeks. You mean butt cheeks. No. Facial cheeks. You mean butt facial. cheeks. I touched my face cheeks with you guys on Zoom. But you can't, if they're on your face, you can't make them kiss. Yeah. It's nice to know which clip people are going to clip out to make fun of me about on Twitter. Yeah. Well, those are words that you said and no one stopped you, but you definitely could have stopped yourself. Uh, I could feel it happening while it was happening. Uh, what else should we call out about the episode? Any other notes that you want to mention? Uh, I, I did enjoy uh, Archie's spit take um, when Veronica was talking about skinny dipping. That was uh, funny. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Again, making Archie just the as goofy as possible. Great starting point. Um, interesting that we get a purposefully mentioned no Reggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonder why. I guess he's going to make a Veronica style entrance and maybe become a potential rival. Because Julian, get out of here. He's lame. <laughs> he's a doll. He's a human puppet. But Reggie, perhaps romantic rival for Archie. Just like I, the comics it- and... Uh, a romance I enjoyed despite its tumultuous nature last season. So I think Charles Melton was off doing something else for the beginning part of the season when they were filming stuff. So that's the real world reason for it. But when they describe the season earlier on, I think he is a farm boy who gets recruited to play basketball or something like that. Mm. So yeah, he'll be in it a couple of episodes. We'll see him again. Um, and I am very interested to see with all, what happens with all this romantic stuff. It, yes. 100%. Uh, just a couple of other refs. Uh, Chateau Marmaduke um, in, in place of uh, Chateau Marmont. Very here for that. A lot of Spotify love <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> really took a moment to say Spotify. Yeah. Tip of the hat on our way. And then a couple other characters we didn't talk about. The Coopers are back. And they're mm-hmm. back together. And it does seem like, you know, characters that fraught, serial killer, one of them, uh, regular killer, the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's interesting that they also seem evil in this, right? They seem like well, they're, they are they're 1950s, menacing, menacing. They're 1950s evil, right? Like they are part of the repression of the timeline from the older generation, which is also coming from Principal Featherhead and Dr. Werther's. Yeah. Well, they're not... Regardless of what year it is, one of them's a fucking serial killer. So they're going to act evil whenever you point a camera at them. So I don't care (laughs) what year it fucking is, man. I think the point is that I would think that maybe part of the show is like dealing with their more uh, their dark side. And I think part of perhaps Betty's arc this season is going to be finally reckoning with all of the dark Betty stuff that she's sort of let out of the box a lot in past seasons and really, excuse me, really exploring that. 
and find well, out if he really is sucking on a cheesesteak. Well, oh, I'll, I'll throw, I'm sure he's going to say that at some point. They got to get to the 80s so he can say his classic catchphrase, sucking on a cheesesteak. Uh, I have a couple of questions about this for you guys just to throw out there. The first one that we already kind of brought up, do you think Hal is still a killer? Like, given all the changes in the timeline yes. and everything, is he, no matter what, a killer in a timeline, or has he been completely reset as well? I think he has been reset, but I think those uh, tendencies or urges may present themselves. And I think that's par- perhaps a way that we will get into that storyline well, uh, for, for Betty's sake. Well, that's interesting because you're, you're saying that, like, you know, people have to be who they're going to be, you know, and if he is the serial killer, we're going to, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to happen, right? What I think the, the whole point of a, a lot of Betty's stuff for the last couple of seasons has been, like, this serial killer gene and her being like, well, I'm doomed to be this. When, in fact, she's not. It's where you start is not where you end, I believe. And I think the the show, I think, would have us believe that she can not – she can change. She doesn't have to be that. And I think right. – the the ultimate way to prove that is in this reset timeline is to uh, not have her father be succumbed to that as well because maybe she helps him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll have to see about that. Like, certainly there's an opportunity for you have a character who is even more repressed than he was in our present timeline, being under even more pressure, particularly as is established here. We find out that it seems like both Hal and Alice are anchoring a 15-minute program on RIVW that is sponsored by Blossom Maple. 15 minutes? <laughs> I was like, really? Really uh, emphasize how it's very short. Yeah, pretty weird. But that's their big thing that's going on. My other question, though, about this is the other half of the couple, which is Alice, like, nothing against Lachlan Monroe or Natalie Bolt, who plays Penelope Blossom or anything like that. I'm a little less concerned with their storylines because they always come in as these rogue elements to mess everything up. But for Majin Amick, who plays Alice, she's been here since the beginning. And yeah. she has had legitimate arcs to do, but there's also been spans of time, particularly the past couple of seasons, where she's just like kind of there, right? So yeah. we're talking a lot about the quote-unquote kids arcs, even though they're full-on adults who are now playing kids now. But what about Alice? Is Alice going to get some sort of actual character arc, or is she going to be hanging out with Hal and being one of these forces of repression that we're talking about in the 1950s? I have two, I have a letter and a word for you. Okay. F palace. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. FP's coming I- back and we're going to get that. Maybe that, what a great storyline, her leaving behind her, a repressed relationship that she's not happy with to get with the, James Dean-esque biker who oh, rolls into wow. town. Let's if go. Skeet, Skeet Ulrich has already Skeet. done a couple of interviews about this where he's like, yeah, um, I really would love to do it if it works out. Uh, maybe I'll talk to Roberto about it or something like that. But Great line. man, in, if he in the 1950s pulls up on his bike, hair greased back, spits out that gum again, best show of all time. I'm here. Yes. Wow. The, everyone's got a ticket to the F Palace, and it's time to punch that card. You know, a <laughs> uh, couple of other things. Just as I'm looking through my notes here, I know we mentioned the opening credits with Rock Around the Clock, which were delightful. I love the confused Jughead at the beginning, being like, yeah. "What is going huh? on? <laughs> what? This is great. Why?" Uh, also, I think I mentioned this with the trailer too, but it is so funny to me that he brings his typewriter to Pops to write. That's just a very funny, detail. very heavy. Yeah, yes. not a laptop. Uh, and then. Um, yeah, that was probably it. <laughs> I'm sure there were more things. Oh, I really like the credits to Omiha. Is that it? Did I get it uh, right? Yes, I think okay. you nailed it. Omiha, and then where they, they show off Tilly Tillerson as little Ronnie. Little Ronnie, yeah. yeah. She's and like, you, yeah. It does it. What's her reaction? Her action is like, go to hell or something like no, that. No, she's like, you bitch. Says, yeah, she yeah says, you bitch. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's very, very funny. Um, also... Uh, what else did I write down? Oh, the uh, Kevin's line when they're taking out the stuff from the time capsule. He's like, Hedwig of the Angry Inch. I don't get it. An inch of what? Yeah, <laughs> Which, it's great. Funny line. Very fun. Very fun. Um, and yeah, and it, I mean, we touched on this before, but Archie's description of what he does where he's like, well, I work on a car. I like sports and I hang out at the Sweetwater River. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hang out of the river. <laughs> Good times. It, it, They've they we asked for the Archie that we got here, and I think we're all, we all should be very happy with this. 
Uh, so yeah, there we go. Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about for the first, the last first time, the Ooh. MVP of the episode. Who was the MVP? Of well, the I just want to just before we get into the MVP, I wanted to. We just had a whole time where we were talking about other impressions. I just wanted to just <laughs> take a moment, and as someone who is you know shipping Bughead pretty hard here, this episode does not make me feel good about the future. Because, um, you know, they're going uh, Tabitha and Jughead uh, really, really hard. Search your feelings. Hey, man, you know, like, that's that's a a cool choice that they made. But the problem was, you know, before that, I was in love with Bughead. So uh, after that kiss, I, you know, my heart sank a little bit. I was like, I'm not going to. We're not going to get any more Bughead, are we? This is Pete, it. This is I would not. say just open your heart and let it ride. You know, Pete, don't, what, if don't. I, what if I told you there's a little something coming for you? What if I told you that? I mean, I'd like to, but I can't trust you at all because uh, you like torturing me. So I don't know, man. It's just uh, it's it was awesome to have everything back. It was a little scary to have everything reset. I'm a little worried about some of my ships, but I mean, overall. It, it was just so great to be kind of back in the midst of this show. Yeah, I while we are talking about general impressions again, just overall, I was very impressed with this episode. And like we've been talking about, I was impressed how they walked a bunch of different lines, not just with the Emma Till storyline, not just with the sexuality and coming out storylines, but also just plot wise in terms of like we were talking about making sure that, yes, This is a reset, but it's not a clean reset. There are things that are still going on here that we're going to riff on, that we're going to talk about. It isn't like you're getting a new season of a brand new show. This is the seventh season of Riverdale. It's going to be the final season, but we're going to give you so many things that you've never seen before. So, yeah. And hopefully some things that you loved, you know, from earlier on that we haven't uh, dealt with in a long time. There's a little something coming for you, Pete. You just hang in there. Have you ever read the short story, The Lady or the Tiger? Anybody? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, when uh, I was a kid. When you were a kid. So th- this story, if you've never heard it, it's about um, a, a, a poor person in a kingdom, a mean kingdom, who falls in love with a princess. Um, and uh, they they fall in love, but it can't ever happen. And then he has to do battle. And, they, and when he does battle, the um, there are two doors that he can go to. One has a lady behind it, and one has a tiger behind it and um at the end the end of the story the princess tells him open the door on the right or whatever and it's either either behind that is a lady where which he would then marry and live happily ever after with which would drive her crazy or a tiger which would instantly kill him and the real trick of this story is that it ends by putting the pressure on you to decide which happened they don't the story doesn't tell you lady or tiger what if that's, I mean, that's a, a how that you should feel right now, Pete, going into the season. Anything, the do- any door could open with anything behind it, A. B, what if the end of this series is that? What if the end is the Bughead or the Barchi? Like, don't you, like, at least you could look forward to something like that. Maybe Sorry, it's not which about. which one is going to kill Archie instantly? Just, just <laughs> I mean, honestly, both of them would end up killing. A bear. There's a bear. Yeah, it's there's a, a bear behind the door. Yeah. That's what I said, Barchi. Oh, Bearchi. Sorry, Bearchi. Bearchi is the ship. Get it right, man. Let's talk about MVP of the episode. Pete, who is your MVP of the episode? Well, I MVP. mean. Pete. Uh, you know, you, you, you just, uh, the, the poem and the reading was just so absolutely amazing. So you got to give it up for Tony in this, uh, episode. It was just, uh, so moving and uh, her reading of it was just so beautiful. So cool. Justin, what about you? Um, I was going to say Tony, but instead uh, now I will say, um, I think I got to give it up for, for KJ Appa because he has the most acting to do now he has to be like this um the the wide-eyed archie that um is truly the most clueless and that's hard uh and everything's different for him and i really appreciate his performance in this episode yeah i think those are both very good calls why i was originally going to say tony and then you took tony and then i was going to say archie and you took archie so i'll give a shout out to cheryl in this episode i think she's the one that's like of course you will she's great she's just she's she's great. great and she's 
like the maximum amount of Cheryl possible in this episode. It's fun to see her. I think Madeline Patch is completely eating it up in the role. So it's great. And it's tough because I think everybody was doing a really good job in this episode. You know, they've been talking a lot about how special they are finding doing this episode, how much fun it is. Clearly they feel very nostalgic about this being the last season that they're shooting of the show. And, you really feel that when you're watching them on screen, they're having a good time and they're having a good time with each other. And uh, that's that makes a show at least a scotch better to watch when you're watching it. So I'm enjoying scooch. it. You scooch. Scooch. If you would like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. And answer, which is it? The Barchi or the Berchi? <laughs> oh, I'm going to get that on my cheeks. Face cheeks, face cheeks. I'm a face cheeks. What are you going to learn? You, no, you pointed to both no, of your no, butt no, cheeks. You pointed to both of your butt my cheeks. facial cheeks. <laughs>